0: Thank the Lord. How many wants to say thank you, Jesus, for stretchy pants? Anybody? Stretchy pants. Are we a big fan of stretchy pants? Okay. This past Thursday was Thanksgiving, of course, and uh, I made sure and wore some stretchy pants. How many wants to join me in that testimony? Amen. We all got that, all right. Hope you guys had a good. <laughs> everyone say this: say elastic is our friend. That's a. That's really for the next month or so, and really maybe even spilling over <laughs> into January a little bit. Um, you know, and it's funny because we're still recovering from Thanksgiving and. Some of you traveled, some of you stayed home, and uh, we had a wonderful time, I understand, this past Thursday at the at the church. Thank you, Terry, for putting that together and everybody that joined in with that. Thank you, Terry, for putting that together. It was wonderful. Everybody spent some time here for Thanksgiving, made sure everybody could celebrate together, but guess what's coming up next on the calendar? Christmas is coming, folks. We're about... The way I count it, officially about 30 days away. Today's the 26th. We got 30 days until the 25th. So we are just around the corner. As the old adage says, there's no rest for the weary, right? But I want for the next 30 days, instead of us necessarily being just busy with activity, and I know there's a lot of stuff that we're gonna be doing preparing for Christmas, but I'd like for us to actually take some time, kind of like what we did this morning in our worship time, where I, I know many of us were probably going, okay, let's get this song over with because I could get to the, to the message so that I can leave and go eat lunch and take care And it. We're just moving, aren't we? We'll go to the next thing, go to the next thing, go to the next thing. Some of us probably enjoyed it. Some of us felt a little antsy because we're used to just moving to the next thing. And I think that's what happens in this Christmas season is we just have so much to do, so much shopping, so much baking, so much preparing for family and friends for the holidays. But I want to encourage you to take some time in the next 30 days and really step back and in the midst of all of it, to reflect on the true significance of the season. We all know that this is the birth of Jesus that we're getting ready to celebrate. And boy, he sure gets the short end of the stick, doesn't he? On his birthday, everything and everybody else gets thrown into the mix and Jesus kind of gets lost in the mix for so much of the world. I just want to encourage you to don't get sucked up into that, okay? But instead, let's Reflect on the true meaning of the season, that is, the arrival of Jesus to this world. And that's really what I intend for us to do these next several weeks leading up to Christmas Eve. On Sunday, December the 24th, is Christmas Eve. It's on a Sunday this week, uh, this year rather, and we're going to be celebrating on Christmas Eve morning, a special candlelight service. I hope you'll bring your friends and family to that as well. It's going to be a special time. But over the last several hundred years, uh, there's been a time of reflection that's been observed. And a lot of mainstream Christian denominations uh, leading up to Christmas, it's called Advent. Uh, We don't necessarily have not necessarily uh, celebrated that, although we kind of have, but we haven't really made it official. But this year, I want to... uh, instill that and insert that into our culture here for these next 30 days. Uh, And what Advent is, is simply this. It's a purposeful and intentional time that's been set aside to reflect on There's four main themes of the Advent uh, season. And really that's at the core of Christianity and it's at the core of our relationship with Jesus. It's these four things of hope and peace and joy and love. And so we're going to hit on each one of those every week. Uh, In Advent, we discover and we're reminded of the God we serve who keeps His promises. We just saw that on the screen. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who does not renege on His promises? Can I get an amen? All of his promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen. We read in 2 Corinthians, this declaration in 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, for no matter how many promises that God has made, they are yes, and in Christ, they are amen. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So God doesn't lie. God is not a man that he would lie, correct? It says in Numbers twenty three nineteen that very thing. It says, God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? You see, God's God's sure and unchanging promises in Christ are yes. I'll say that again. God's sure and unchanging promises in Christ are yes yes. And so therefore, we as a church and we as believers, we say amen. So can you say amen? Amen. So God's promises are yes. And we say, yeah, everything you read in God's word, that is a promise. I want you to put your name next to it. And you say, amen. Amen means what? So be it. That means so be it. That means it's going to happen. That means it's done. It's sure because God is not a man that he would lie. His unchanging promises give us hope. Now, we need hope in the midst of despair. And right now, we're in a world that's filled with a lot of despair. And then next week, we'll talk about peace. And we need peace in the midst of of the turmoil. The next week after that, we're going to talk about joy. And we need joy in the midst of our sorrow. The next week after that, we're going to talk about love. And we need love in the midst of, of hatred and all the hatred that's going on in the world today. And all of those things, hope, joy, peace, love, they all lead back to not Santa. They don't lead back to Rudolph. They don't lead back to Frosty. What they do do is they lead back to the manger. They lead back to our Savior, Jesus. Now, if you've ever watched the TV uh, back in the day and uh, there's a commercial on For I think it was Heinz ketchup, where you turn the bottle and, you know, the ketchup just doesn't come out. And underneath that commercial, there was a song by Carly Simon entitled Anticipation. How many knows that commercial I'm talking about? Anticipation, it's making you wait, you know? And there's that old song that she sang, but they put it to the commercial. The idea is that that ketchup took forever to come out of the bottle, did it not? But then the idea is that the ketchup was so good that it was worth the wait. So there's an anticipation that's taking place in our life right now. In this same way, most everyone can relate to the feeling, really the anticipation of Christmas right now. We got 30 days coming up before Christmas. It it may take a while to get here, but I promise you it's going to be here. And once it gets here, it's going to be worth the wait. I remember as a child, uh, my parents would give my brother and I the Sears Christmas catalog. I mean, it knows what I'm talking about. The Sears Christmas catalog. Oh, it's awesome. And we would look through that thing, and we would mark all the stuff that we would want, uh, looking up all the different options of gifts that we would hope that we would get, and then seeing the presents begin to fill in underneath the tree, and then certainly, you know, you take, and I know you guys never did this, but I did. I would take that present, and I would shake it, all right? You guys did it. I know you did. You shook it. You figured out, okay, what noise is that making? It's heavy. It's light. It's making a sound. It's not. You would just sit under that tree and just watch the lights flicker and all, and the Christmas music playing. You're dreaming about what in the world could be in those boxes that has your names on them. How many knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. I remember too. our boys as we were uh, racing, both of our boys, they would do the same thing. They were so excited on Christmas Eve. They were anxious to get to bed, but really not able to get to sleep that night. Time to go to bed. I know I need to go to sleep, but I can't because I'm so excited because of the anticipation of the next morning. You know, they would have as much luck sleeping that night on Christmas Christmas Eve as many of us would have luck fitting into our regular jeans in January. It's just (laughs) impossible to be able to do that. And now we have our grandkids, and it's so much fun listening to them dream of what Christmas morning is going to bring them as they anticipate the day. Santa's starting to visit our house. I'll tell you what, the Christmas tree's looking pretty good. And we're going to see them uh, coming in at Christmas time. And, oh, it's just so much fun just watching them tear through the packages. But they're anticipating it. It's so going to be fun watching them look at the different things and seeing what dreams they may have in those boxes. You know, that's part of the magic of Christmas, is it not? It's the anticipation of the holidays. It's really, not just the anticipation, not just the day itself, but the anticipation is enjoyable too, leading up to it. But the truth is, waiting isn't easy, is it? It's so tempting to want to open up that gift before the appointed day. But waiting is at the very heart of the Advent season, the season that we're heading into now. And as much as we're waiting for Christmas with anticipation, we're also waiting for a much bigger day return of Jesus to make all things new. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. You know, Advent means the coming. It means the arrival. And during these weeks leading up to Christmas day, people are celebrating both the birth of Jesus at His first coming, but also, it's also the promise of His future second coming. You see, at the center of faith is, of our faith, is the belief that when Jesus was born in a manger, He started something Beautiful. This beautiful and new right thing, right in the middle of this human mess, he started something beautiful. We live in a mess and he came to make something beautiful beautiful of it. We know that through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, that he would restore the world one day to the way that God first intended. He came once to restore us back to God the Father. He's coming back again to restore all of creation back to himself. It may seem like it's taking forever, but I promise you, It'll be worth the wait. You see, that's our blessed hope. Titus 2.13 says, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, he's coming back. He is coming back. And I know it seems like it's taking forever, but Jesus is coming. There's an appointed day, there's an appointed time where the trumpet's going to sound. And Jesus is going to come on the clouds, and the dead in Christ will be raised up first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up and be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. It's better than Christmas Day. It's better than the packages under the tree. It's going to be forever that we're going to spend eternity with Him. Amen? You know, with His first arrival came these four, these four themes of Advent, the hope, peace, joy, and love. And as we make our way toward Christmas Day together, we're going to celebrate these powerful themes, one each week, and today, let's look at hope. So, hope. Let's look at that for a minute, the word hope. Now, we use the word hope a lot during the Christmas season, as I alluded to. Uh, I hope I get what I want for Christmas. That's a hope. I hope everyone gets along. That's a big hope. I hope the food turns out right. Yeah, yeah. Many of us who are going to be eating it hope as well that it's going to be turning out right. I hope that we can have a white Christmas. For some, you want to have a white Christmas. Some of you are hoping that we don't have a white Christmas. I get it. But it seems like we've lost the depth of the meaning of the word hope. When our hope is really just wishful thinking about really trivial things like these. The Bible's understanding of the word hope is far deeper. If you read the book of Peter, Peter talks about hope a lot. And in the book of 1 Peter, he uses the word hope over and over again. And in chapter 1, he gives us sort of a summary or sort of a synopsis of the depth of this word hope. Listen to this in 1 Peter 1.13. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Now, most of the time when we talk about hope, it's in the terms of something in the future. I hope that one day, and then fill in the blank. But hope has also a lot to do with our present. Peter uses the phrase, with minds that are fully sober. Not one day will be fully sober, but with minds that are fully sober. In other words, some translations you may have, you might be reading it as, prepare your minds for action. Another version of it might, might say, really, it literally means gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. Now, what does that mean by girding up the loins of your mind? Let's talk about that for a minute because this phrase is from the ancient. It's the way that they used to dress back then. In fact, they still do. But back then, they dressed with the, the guys wore kind of long. It looked like dresses almost. We see them in a lot of Christmas plays, you know, with Jesus wearing the, the robe all the way down to here, and they'd wear a belt cinched around it. Now that makes it kind of hard to run whenever you have to get to or from something, does it not? And so what they would do is that they would take when they had to get moving and be ready for action, they would take their uh, garment, they'd bring it up, cinch it up and tuck it into their belt so it becomes like a short pants sort of thing and their legs would be free to move. That's what Peter was talking about when he says to gird up your loins, as we recognize that our future is shaped by our present, we should be fully aware of both, and that we take and we gird up the loins of our minds, and we become, um, we become, literally prepared for action at the moment that our minds are fully sober. So hope, as we as as I get to my first point here, I want you to write this down. It should be on the screen. You see, hope is a certainty about the future that impacts our present. Keep that up there for a second. Let me just flesh that out a little bit because think about this. We know Christmas is coming. And so right now we're preparing our menus, our gift lists, the whole bit. Our itinerary, the schedule. We know that Christmas is coming. We also know that Jesus is coming, do we not? And so what do we do with the fact that Jesus is on the way? Do we just live our lives willy-nilly and just act like it's never going to happen? Or do we prepare today and live our lives today in such a way that we know that this certainty that Jesus is coming is on the way? That is a hope. Hope is a certainty about our future that impacts our present Our hope is not set on some ambiguous optimism for no reason, church. Our hope is set in specific moments in history. Think about this. First, Jesus arrived as a baby. That's what we celebrate in the next few weeks. And then we celebrate his life, death, and resurrection as he lived for 33 years. And then he died on Easter as we celebrate that. But then he didn't stay in the tomb. He was crucified. He was put in the tomb. But then he rose again. So we celebrate his life, his death, and his resurrection. Those were fixed and documented moments in history. We know for a fact that these happened. We also know, based on that, that our hope about living right now in the light of the future promise, because you see Jesus is coming. And so now that we know that he was born, that he died, that he rose again, we also need to live with the fact that because those things did happen, that Jesus is returning soon. The hope that we have as followers of Jesus is about the restructuring, the way that we look at this world, the way that we live our lives, not as it, is, as it is right now, but as it will be when Christ comes to set all things right. And I can't wait for that day. How about you? You know, I'm not a huge fan of autumn. I don't like the shorter days. I don't like the colder weather. I just don't like it. But one of the things that I do like is the beautiful leaves that it brings beautiful colors that are out there. And I know many of you travel up to the mountains and you enjoy those beautiful fall colors. And that's in our yard too, those beautiful fall colors. We have lots of trees at our house. And as much as I enjoy those leaves turning yellow and red and gold and all those wonderful colors, I also know what's getting ready to happen because they not only turn colors, they turn loose just like our hair, amen? I mean, you know, It's going to turn colors, it's going to turn loose. And what's going to happen? You got a bolt. I mean, messy, you got a messy yard. Oh, and I don't like that. I like a neat yard. I like things looking good outside. You know, man, I want to make sure that yard's in good shape. And so I look out my windows and I see the breeze blowing. And here comes the leaves again. And I go out there and I get them cleaned up. And two days later, it looks like I hadn't done a thing. But there's a point, especially in the last few weeks, it seems like, where it's like it reached a critical mass. It's like the trees have finally said, okay, we're done, and they just drop them all at once. I mean, I looked at one of our trees the other day, Kelly and I were looking out, and there were leaves all over one day, and two days later, it was just as bald as can be. It was just Bare. And I thought, wow, that tree just decided it was done. And so, and, and so our front yard's one way, and our backyard's another, two different kinds of um, you know, versions of trees. So the backyard now is the one that was a mess. I looked at it at the beginning of this week, and I thought, man, there's leaves everywhere, and I know there's going to be more coming because it's going to rain on Tuesday. The wind's going to whip up. It's going to be even more. I'm just going to leave it alone. So I was pretty upset and discouraged about the leaves in our yard, but I also was anticipating that once Saturday rolled around, and all the leaves that were going to fall were going to fall. It's going to be a nice, bright, sunshiny day. I looked at the weather report. It's going to be a perfect day for gathering up the leaves. And so even though on Monday I was pretty discouraged, I also had hope because I was anticipating what Saturday was going to be like. And I was, and I was able to kind of look past all the mess of the yard knowing that not long, not just, not, but just a few days later, I was going to get that yard cleaned up. And I just want to give a testimony this morning. That my yard is clean. I cleaned it up yesterday. Them leaves are gone for, for the most part. So praise the Lord for that. But as much as that is the case with things like that and are kind of silly, that's kind of a silly little example, but I think you get the idea. That we live in a world that's a mess right now. I mean, there's just leaves everywhere, so to speak, right? It's just a mess. Will it ever get cleaned up? I'm here to, to declare to you this morning... That Jesus is coming back to get the leaves cleaned up. (laughs) He is coming back to make all things new. Jesus is coming back. He's getting ready to clean this thing up. So you may look at it right now and say, it's a mess. But I want you to look at the future with the hope in your heart to say, but wait a minute. One day Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new. That's what hope does. You see, hope helps us deal well with the present knowing the certainty of our future that we have in Jesus Christ. And whether it's the world at large or your individual difficult situation, it may be a mess right now. But I promise you that Jesus is going to show up and get it all cleaned up for you. That's what was going on when Jesus arrived in the manger. The world was a mess. And Jesus came on the scene at just the right time. You know, as you read the story of Christmas and you different characters that were part of the story of Christmas, almost every person within the Christmas story, a mark of them is that they were all full of hope about the fulfillment of the historic promise of the Messiah coming to make things right. Isaiah 9 2, if you go back to that, Isaiah prophesied an awful lot about the coming Messiah. And here's one of the things that he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's a prophetic word speaking about Jesus Christ back in the book of Isaiah. You know, the Old Testament holds a lot of promises about the coming of Jesus. And I'm sure that each one helped sustain the Jewish people as they were looking for this promised Messiah. When is he coming? This world is a mess. We're in deep darkness here. You know, they believed the rescue was coming. They lived in hope, and it helped them live in their current day-to-day mess and struggle. In a world that was full of deep darkness, there was a light coming. That was true then, and church, that is also true today. I want us to look at the story of this older gentleman named Simeon, and we were introduced to him in Luke chapter 2, and Simeon is a perfect example of someone who had oriented his life... Around a future promise given to him by the Lord. Isaiah 9 2, I guess, would have been a hopeful verse for Simeon that I'm sure he, he rehearsed often in his heart, a promise he could hold on to as he anticipated the promise of the Messiah. You see, after Jesus' birth, and this is leading up to the story here where Simeon meets Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. After Jesus' birth, about a month later, Mary and Joseph took their newborn son to the temple to participate in some of the traditional Jewish customs of the day. And one of the main reasons to travel to the temple was to dedicate and consecrate your baby. In this way, baby Jesus, they consecrated him to God. So when they arrived at the temple, Simeon was there as well. And we pick up on the story starting in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. In other words, the Holy Spirit was, a, was leading him, was guiding him. We just got out of a series on the Holy Spirit, and this is an example of that, how the Holy Spirit orders and guides your steps. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servants in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Boy, that was a powerful prophetic word that is proven to be true in so many ways. You know, there's no way to know exactly how old Simeon was. We read this story and we probably heard different versions of it. He was a really old man. And he was. He was up in age. But the point is not his age, but the point is that the promise that God made to him when he was younger in his life. And that promise that he made that, that Simeon, you will not die before you see the Messiah, before you see Jesus. Now, apparently this man, Simeon, had been patiently and hopefully waiting for a long, long time. And now, in his advanced age, God's promise was being fulfilled at that moment, as we just read. So, by the prompting of the Spirit on that appointed day, Simeon is at the temple at the time that Jesus and his family arrive. Folks, there's no coincidences in God's kingdom. I might just add that. There's no coincidence. The Lord orders your steps. He's going to make sure that you're going to meet people and intersect with people and situations according to his plan for your life. So when Simeon sees Jesus, he knows immediately who the baby Messiah Jesus is. He is overcome with joy and and, and really hope as he realizes that this is the one that he's been waiting for, the one that the world has been waiting for. So Simeon takes the baby Jesus into his arms and prays that beautiful prayer that we just read. Can you even imagine what Simeon would have felt at that moment? Up to that point, these promises, this hope that had been long waiting, and there it was on that day, to know that that thing that he had hoped for for so long, that promise that God had given him, had finally come to pass. Simeon, in his many years, had seen a lot of painful times in Israel's history. Israel has not had an easy go of it. Even today, we see the pain and the suffering that Israel is going through. And folks, we need to pray for the nation and the people of Israel. Continue to pray. Don't listen to the news reports that talk about anything other than, it's it's false narrative. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the people of Israel. Simeon had experienced all that in his life. He saw the Romans conquer uh, uh, Palestine, Rome, uh, rather Israel. He, He saw them conquer and occupy the people of his land. He saw the bloody civil war. He saw the multitude of revolutions by the Israelite people, and they were crushed every single time. Yet in the midst of all these and other difficult moments in his life, Simeon held on to hope. He believed that God was not done and had not given up on his people. I want to encourage you today, don't give up on what God has promised for you. Don't give up on the promises that he spoke into your your life 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Don't give up on God. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't worry about what's going on with your eyes, what you can see. If God promised it, all his promises are yes, and so we say Because God is not a man that he would lie. What has he promised in your life? What has he promised for you and your family, for you and your situation, for you and the world, for you and your ministry, for you? What has he spoken into your life? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Simeon didn't, in the midst of all that was going on, he still held on to hope because he knew that God's word took precedence over the circumstances in his life. God's word is more powerful than the circumstances and how you feel and what's going on right now. God's word is paramount. He's not a man that he would lie. He believed the Messiah, the deliverer, was still on his way regardless of what was going on and he held on to hope. And so Simeon stands in Luke chapter two at the temple holding the promised Messiah in his arms, the one through whom not just the Jews but the entire world would be rescued. You see, hope is birthed out of a deep longing and a desperate need. If you don't have a deep longing and a desperate need, there's no hope in your life. But hope is birthed out of that deep longing and that desperate need. Simeon showed us that hope is birthed out of this deep longing, this desperate need for God's presence and God's comfort and for God to show up in a way that he promised that he would. Luke tells us that Simeon was waiting at the temple for something very specific. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, what does that mean, consolation? Consolation means encouragement. Consolation means comfort. So he was waiting for the encouragement. He was waiting for the comfort. He was waiting for God to show up to to, to, to comfort and to encourage the nation. This didn't mean that Simeon was waiting for God to show up and pat him on the back and give him a few nice words. It meant that in fact this phrase means it's in reference to God's promises in the book of Isaiah. For hundreds of years, we know that Israel has been defeated and destroyed by many different nations: the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Romans. These promises in Isaiah were written right in the middle of those difficult times. Imagine God saying right now to you, in the midst of your difficult situation, I'm on the way. My promises are true. Right now, you might be saying that to yourself. In your heart, you're saying, yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been going through. You don't know how difficult it is, the situation that I'm going through. It's a mess. I got leaves everywhere. But in the midst of your difficulty is when he will promise you that. Because it's in the midst of your despair and your deep longing is when you need hope the most. Am I right? You don't need hope when things are going well. You need hope when things are not going well. And Isaiah wrote this promise in the midst of when things were not going well. And that applies to our lives here today. When these promises in Isaiah were written and they pointed to a coming comfort through the Messiah that God would send. I'm sure that even they were reading at the time. They were looking around and they were discouraged because that was not the situation at the time. But these were promises that one day things would change. They could have hope. They could have comfort. They could have encouragement that God would come through if they so chose to hold on to that hope. Now, this word waiting in Luke literally means to wait from the deepest part of yourself. It's not just waiting until they call your number so that you can go up to the counter and get your thing taken care of. It's not waiting until you get finished with this message so that you can go get something to eat. That's kind of a passive sort of waiting. Okay, he's just gonna get through the message. Okay, Christmas is gonna come. Okay, I'm gonna get that little ticket thing. I'm gonna get in the line there, and I know at the DMV I can I'm just they holler out my number, and I'm gonna get get my get my little thing there. You know, That's kind of a waiting like that. Now you. <laughs> This sort of waiting is not like that. This sort of waiting is, is, is a waiting from the deepest part of yourself. It's a waiting that involves a sort of pain. Now, going to the DMV does cause a sort of pain, but this is not what I'm talking about. Again, this is not what I'm talking about, okay? And talking about an awareness of our deep need for something. In the deep knower of our knowers, it's a sort of waiting that hurts. How many has ever waited for something that hurts while you're waiting? Have you ever experienced this sort of waiting? It's a waiting that involves a deep longing. It's almost a sort of groaning in your inner man, a type of pain in your spirit. You know things aren't right in your life. You know things aren't right in your circumstances. You know things aren't right in this world. And your spirit groans inside of you. You know what I'm talking about. Deep calling out to deep longing for and hoping for resolution from your deep painful hurt. I know that you may be in the same situation right now you're hoping for. You're longing for resolution to a conflict in your life. I get it. I'm in the same situation. Kelly and I both are. We get it. It's been ongoing and it seems like it's going to go on forever. But there is hope. Take courage and be comforted. Jesus is with you today. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's in that situation. He's with you in your heart. He's aware of your struggles, and I promise you, I promise you that he's working things out for your good and for his glory. If you'll just hold on to hope. In your waiting be hopeful. Simeon's hope, his expectancy was birthed out of his awareness of his deep need for God's comfort and healing, for his generation, for his people. And we are in such a time as this now. There's a desperate need for God to show up in our world today, amen? There's a desperate need for God to show up in our generation, amen? There's a desperate need for God to show up in the big picture, but also in our personal lives. Amen? Our spirits are groaning within. Our, our hurts run deep for our world that mankind would repent of their sins, would turn back to God. And that we would live in a world ruled by his righteousness. I long for that day. But that also I long that God would intervene in my personal struggles and in my personal needs. How about you? We think, God, when are you going to do it? Do even care? He does care and he's aware and in his time, he'll make all things right. And in the meantime, we hold on to hope. You know, during these weeks leading up to Christmas, I wanna encourage you to allow yourself to feel the deep need that you have for God. All of us have a deep need for God. I want you to step back in this time of Advent and say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna take a breath or two. I'm gonna take a moment or two And I want to find out what's going on here that has this deep need in me and and that I won't just sense it and fill it up with shopping, Christmas shopping, or fill it up with accomplishments or fill it up with Christmas parties or fill it up with even denial that I just ignore it or fill it up with substance abuse, whatever it is, whatever it is that you would fill it up with. Don't do that. That deep need that you have, it's there for you to reflect on it and say, God, I give you that deep need, this pain and this sorrow, this hurt inside of me. Lord, it's because I have a hope that needs to be found and placed in you. Instead of leaning into our deepest needs for God's comfort into into our lives uh, by distracting ourselves with these things, and in the end, we miss the hope that is offered in Jesus Christ, let's instead lean on God during these next 30 days. Because when we lean into the things that would distract us, we're, we're alive, but we're really not living. Look around you these next 30 days leading up to Christmas and allow yourself to hope that your current circumstance that brings you pain can be changed and restored by the arrival of Christ in your life. Let him be birthed in the manger of your heart. Let him be there in your deepest hurt and your need, your circumstance, whatever it is that's going on in your life. You know, the ancient prayer of the Advent is, come, Lord Jesus, come. And we're going to all pray at the end of our service time together, actually that phrase, together. In fact, some of the final words in the Bible in the book of Revelation is, come, Lord Jesus, come. That really seems to be the heart cry, is it not? Come, Lord Jesus, come. But I want to ask you this morning, how badly do you want that? I know we all want Jesus to come back and take us to heaven. That's not, that, that's not what I'm talking about. That's our future hope. I get that. But how badly do you want him to come into your current hurt? Into that deep longing in your life, how badly do you want to invite him in instead of being distracted by the things of this world that would try to take the place of that? How badly do you want him to come into your current need? In fact, are you even aware of your need for God's comfort and God's healing in your life? If not, be aware that that's what's going on. Only God can fill that. Only God can take care of that hurt in your life. Church, as we lay aside the distractions and the other things that would temporarily rid us of our pain, we're going to see how badly we need Jesus. And how ready he is to show up and to help us. Let me encourage you to give Jesus those things that are bigger than you, but not bigger than him. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Verse 28, this is Jesus' invitation to us today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Wow, oh, sounds like a good invitation, does it not? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May this season, church, leading up to Christmas, be different for you and me than ever before. Let's not allow ourselves to be distracted or to self-soothe. Wrestle with your pain and come face to face with the brokenness of the world and the brokenness in your circumstances and let Jesus come and bring comfort and hope and strength to you. It's only then that you'll fully see the emptiness of the normal Christmas hustle and bustle. Folks, I believe we've settled for less than is available to us as, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Out of a deep longing can come a comfort and hope that only Jesus can bring. Let him do it. You see, hope is found in our deepest long, longing, but our hope also comes from a person. And this is the last thing that I want to share with you this morning of this, is that our hope is found in Christ alone. It's only found in Jesus. First Peter, again, let's be reminded of what he said in 1 Peter Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed His coming. You see, our hope is not based on some relationship, not some 401k, not a job, not a president, not a good medical report. You know, this is amazing news today. Because if our hope was based on some wishful thinking, then our hope would end in despair and disappointment. But our hope is set in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Christ and his promised arrival in the future to restore all that is broken. And his arrival in our current brokenness as well. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. You know, as you read through the New Testament... A lot of people who came in contact with Jesus missed the significance of who he really was. Even though the writings of the Old Testament pointed to him, the Jewish people still missed the Messiah when he arrived. But not Simeon. Simeon knew when he saw Jesus, even at just a month old baby Jesus, that he was the anointed one who was the promised one to come and bring hope and peace and joy and love. So why did Simeon get it right when so many of them got it wrong. And I'll tell you why. In my opinion is that because people were looking for something that Jesus wasn't. Jesus wasn't what most people were looking for in a Messiah. They wanted a political warrior king who would overthrow the oppressors of the Jews and put them on top. You see, they didn't expect the Messiah to be a tiny baby who would come and instead of exerting his power, would give himself up on a cross. For the people who missed Jesus, it was because their hope was in their specific expectations. Their expectations were all about what they wanted God to do, how they wanted him to do it, and for things to change in their favor. But that's not the kind of God that we serve. It's the kind of God that we create, but that's not the kind of God that he is. When Jesus failed to meet those expectations, they missed Jesus altogether, but Simeon had a different hope. So how about you today? Let me ask you this. What sort of Jesus are you looking for? Are you looking for a genie in the bottle to grant you three wishes, that sort of Jesus? Is that the kind of Jesus you think exists in your life? What about a lucky rabbit's foot? Every time you rub on Jesus' foot, you get some good things happen. Are you, are you looking for a sort of Jesus that's a get out of hell free card? Is that the sort of Jesus you're looking for? Well, what sort of Jesus are you looking for today? When our hope is placed in anything other than the promises of God and the fulfillment of these promises in Christ, we tend to settle for hope in lesser things. And these lesser things always fall. They always fail and they always lead to frustration. This morning... In the midst of whatever you're going through, where do you find your hope? How you answer this question makes all the difference as to how you'll get through it. Is your hope based on something you want God to do or is it based on God himself? Here are the contrasting and competing beautiful side and dark side of the Christmas season that we need to uh, wrestle with. Do you want God to do it for you or do you, want God, or you just want God himself? Are you looking for the things that God can do for you? Are you just looking for God himself? Are you looking for his hand? Are you seeking his face? Relationship, that's correct. It's during this time of year the good of life and the bad of life are both exaggerated. At no other time of the year are we more aware of the problems that we can't solve, the people we can't control, and the expectations that we can't meet. There are problems that are decades in the making that you won't be able to fix overnight. There are people in your life whom you won't be able to save during the holidays and there are expectations that you'll try so hard to meet for someone else in your family that you will never be able to fulfill. That's not where your hope is. You see, the difference, there's a difference in being hopeful for something and hopeful in something. Choose this holiday season to face your deep longing and come to believe that there is one specific source for whom you can derive true hope. Place your hope in Jesus Christ. So during this Advent season, we don't just idly wait and hope. In fact, we, when we sense our deep longing and know our source of hope, then really what that does is it kind of energizes us, does it not? It really helps us to stay focused, does it not? That we can live every moment believing the best is before us. Good things do come to those who wait. When we begin to embrace the anticipation and the expectation, we free ourselves from the urgency of having to fix things now and know that God is at work in our now and in our future, the question is, how do we join him in that work? It's this, it's an, it's an active anticipation. When Kelly and I found out that we were having our first baby, we've had, we have two sons, grown sons now, 30 something years old. But back when we first found out, we got so excited. And, and that's what happens is you get excited. You have the news that I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby, but it takes nine months. Does it not? And in those nine months, all the women say, amen. (laughs) And in those nine months, you don't just sit back and just watch the belly grow. Well, the baby's coming. What do you do? You get the room ready. You got to get it decorated, painted. You buy the baby clothes. You get some supply of diapers because Lord knows you're going to need them. You know, you get all the stuff ready. You just make sure you baby-proof the house a little bit, you know, I mean, you get it all ready, do you not? Knowing that the arrival of that child is, imminent. It's coming. That birthday is getting ready to happen. In the same way, when we have hope that Jesus is going to show up in our lives, whether the trumpet sounds and we get caught up, or whether it's in the moment that we're struggling right now with a situation, he, when we have that anticipation, that hope that he's going to show up in our lives, we find that we have plenty to do to join him in his work. Church, we can make a difference right now, in the here and now, today. As we wait we also actively wait. Today, what we have and who God has placed in front of us to love, to give, to encourage, and to help, we can do that today. We can more readily and regularly give him our hurts, our fears, our worries, our burdens. And we can focus on the easy yoke of being Christ to others. While we wait with a heart filled with hope on the Lord to show up in our circumstances we can forgive someone. We can seek forgiveness from someone. We can press into God. We can repent of our sin. We can serve others. We can love others while we wait. It's an active anticipation. We wait, but we wait actively. Romans 5, chapter two, uh, chapter, Romans 5 verse 2 says, We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, those things that you're going through are to develop perseverance, and ultimately perseverance develops in us a hope. That character gives hope, perseverance to character, character to hope. In those sufferings, we ultimately live in that hope, that anticipation that Jesus is going to show up eventually, and oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You will never be disappointed when you place your hope in Jesus Christ. So I want us to stand this morning, and if you will, Tim, come to um, just the guitar there if you don't mind. everyone if you will stand with me I want to close today by inviting all of you to join with me in engaging in these next 30 days in this season of Advent let's let let hope fill your heart today out of your desperate need and deep longing let's cry out to the Lord our only hope Jesus is our only hope I'd like us to do something different today. Again, we've never done this. It's a, typical, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a response sort of prayer. I'll say a phrase, and then I want you to say the phrase that's going to be on the screen. It's simply, come, Lord Jesus, come. But as I pray this prayer, a lot of times what happens is, is you just listen to the words, but you don't let it engage in your heart. But I'm going to pray a prayer that I trust. I know it's a heart longing for me but I want it to be a heart longing for you as well. As I pray this prayer, let it be a yes and amen in your spirit. It says, yeah, that's for me. That's for my family. That's for my situation. That's for our generation. That's for our world today. Won't you join with me in prayer? And when you're saying, come Lord Jesus, come, you're really saying amen. You're really saying yes and amen to his promises. So in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your deep longings, I want you to pray out loud the words that you see on the screen. As I pray over you, I want you to agree with me. I want you to listen to my words and let them connect with your heart. You know the words. If you need to look at the screen, do so, but otherwise you can bow your heads close your eyes and let this be truly a prayer between you and the Lord, corporately, but also individually. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Son of God, our Prince of Peace, our Emmanuel, as you were born in the manger in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, won't you be born again into our world today that desperately needs you? Wherever there is war in this world, wherever there is pain in this world, wherever there is loneliness in this world, wherever there is no hope, come. Come, O oh, long expected one, with healing in your wings and bring the world your hope. Say with me, Come, Lord Jesus, come. O oh, precious Lord you whom the shepherds at the manger worshiped, would you be placed in the manger of our hearts today, wherever there's distractions in our life, wherever there's busyness in our life, wherever there's deceit in our life, wherever there's fear of failure in our life, wherever there's a temptation too strong to resist in our life, wherever there is bitterness of heart, Come, Lord Jesus, with your strength to overcome and come with healing in your wings. Say with me, come, Lord Jesus, come. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be born again and each of us, your children here today who acknowledges you as our Savior, trusting you to guide us, strengthen us, help us, and fill us with your hope knowing that no one else has the power to make us whole other than you, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, to each of us who long for you. And even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Say it with me. Come, Lord Jesus, come.